Hi guys, welcome back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit now about an aspect of craft for poetry that is essential to making sure we connect to an audience, and that's imagery. The poet William Carlos Williams once famously wrote, no ideas but in things. Now we're not going to dive into the various things he may have meant by that, but we're going to use it as a springboard to talk about what imagery can do. So first and foremost, the, the big question is, well, what is imagery? Imagery really is anything in a poem that connects to the five senses. So we're talking here about sight, smell, touch, hearing, and taste. What we're trying to do with imagery is using detailed, specific language to create, for lack of a better term, mental pictures. So how do we use it? We have to choose the right words to make sure that we can represent these objects and actions in the best way. But what does that mean? So I'm thinking a lot about how to describe this on a video chat with you individually. And here's what I've been thinking about. Try to imagine, if you can, the last concert you went to. When you were there, there was an energy in the room. People were brushing up against you and you could smell the leather jackets and smoke from the people that were outside and now inside. And you could hear this sort of waterfall-like sound of conversation coming from all around you. And you were very aware with that energy and with that anticipation of what was going on until the lights dim, right? And then the band came out. And they started to play. At some point, I venture to guess, while that concert was being performed in front of you, you became unaware of those surroundings. You were lost in the music, the set design, all of the things that were happening. You were there so present that when, for instance, the guy next to you taps you on your right shoulder to squeeze by so he can use the bathroom, you're sort of shocked back into existence. That experience of being somewhere so complete that you're lost in it is what you want to try to do when you're using imagery in a poem. And that may seem hard, and I'm not going to tell you it's easy, but there are things we can do to allow imagery to function at its best in a poem. When you're thinking about using imagery, and we'll go back to this concert idea for a second, imagine that you're now back in that moment, that memory. You're back at that concert. And instead of just having your brain, you also have a video camera. And you all know that a video camera can't capture everything. So as the director, you have to take that camera lens and you have to focus it in on something specific. One of the members of the band or the person next to you in the crowd, or you zoom out and try to get a wide picture. But it's up to you as a director to focus the attention so the audience sees what you see. That's what we're trying to do with imagery. Make it so real that it feels like I was there and make me see the experience through your eyes by the lens that you're providing for us. You can all, I imagine, because I'm sure you're wonderfully smart, you could all come back from that concert and tell me all about it. Right? You could tell me probably the name of the members of the band and what songs they played, maybe even in what order. And you could even talk about the pyrotechnics and maybe you could tell me how many people were in the audience. But telling me those things, 
does not bring it back to life. How do you bring it back to life on the page? You show it to me. And that's where imagery becomes essential. So when you're thinking about imagery, you want to use active verbs. You want to think really small and you don't want to be afraid to describe something in new ways, to look at it differently. Good images call attention to specific feelings that through objects and through the, the focused attention on something in the distance or something right there, you actually end up creating that emotional connection with the reader. Now, maybe some of you are going, I already know what imagery is. Congratulations. Or maybe some of you are going, okay, that sounds kind of hard. You want me to, in my mind, go back to a scene and then try to describe it using active verbs, but I don't remember everything, and what am I supposed to do? Okay, first of all, it's not terribly hard. But as poets, we do have to keep our five senses on alert. When we're out walking, when we're talking to friends, when we're sitting and watching a television and you notice a certain kind of light coming in from the window, take note of it. Write it down in a notebook. You can use it later, but you have to be aware of the things you hear, see, smell, touch, taste, etc. I can talk to you about these ideas for a long time, but just like I'm asking you to do, I think it's going to be best if I show you some examples of how imagery works in poetry so that you can start to A, recognize it, and B, try to work a little harder in your own work to ensure that the imagery is being used in the most successful way possible. So we're going to start by looking at a couple poems. And I want to begin with a piece called Lying in a Hammock at William Duffy's Farm in Pine Island, Minnesota, by a wonderful poet named James Wright. I'm going to read the poem. And then I just want to call attention to a few things that are happening. Lying in a hammock at William Duffy's farm in Pine Island, Minnesota. Over my head, I see the bronze butterfly asleep on the black trunk, blowing like a leaf in green shadow. Down the ravine, behind the empty house, the cowbells follow one another into the distances of the afternoon. To my right, in a field of sunlight between two pines, the droppings of last year's horses blaze up into golden stones. I lean back, and as the evening darkens and comes on, a chicken hawk floats over, looking for home. I have wasted my life. Whoa, where'd that come from? Here's a writer who seems to be lying in a hammock, seems to be looking around at what's going on around him, and suddenly there's this discovery at the end. How does he get there? Well, if James Wright wasn't aware of his senses, I'm going to argue he wouldn't have gotten there at all. If we go back and look at the imagery, watch how it builds. We begin with a location. We know he's in a hammock based on the title, and then the speaker says, over my head, I see a bronze butterfly. It's not just a butterfly. It's a bronze butterfly. Adding adjectives and adverbs and using really striking and vivid verbs, as he does later, help us see. So when we say bronze butterfly, we think often of a butterfly being transformative, something that flies away and evokes freedom. But when it's bronzed, 
it seems almost like it's a statue, like it can't move, something beautiful that's frozen. But that bronze, bronze butterfly is also asleep. It's not just asleep, it's asleep on a trunk, not just a trunk, on a black trunk. So there's darkness. We're getting that feeling through the imagery. James Wright never has to say as the poet or allow his speaker to say, there's darkness here. There's some things that might not be beautiful. The image, the imagery, are giving us that feeling. And it says, as it goes on, blowing like a leaf in green shadow. And then we have down in the field, there's an empty house. You see how we're adding to a lot of these stock images. We're giving small, quick descriptions that allow us to see them more clearly. And through all of these descriptions, we're also not forgetting sound. What happens next? The cowbells follow one another. We can hear the sound of the bells trailing off to the distance of the afternoon. And then to his right, we have this beautiful, specific image in a field of sunlight between two pines. Now, right there, we might not all be thinking of the exact same field with the exact same pine trees in the exact same state, the exact same location, the exact same day, but I bet if I gave everyone watercolors or some crayons, whatever we have, we could draw that image. We can see the pines and what light looks like slashing through trees. So we're brought to the poem and into the poem. And then there's a really curious moment. Between that field of sunlight and the two pines, he sees the droppings of last year's horses. He's literally looking, pardon my language, at horseshit. And what does he see? When he looks at the horse shit, he sees that even the horse shit is blazing up into golden stones. Blazing, the idea of fire, the idea of energy, but it's golden stones. So there's again this, this a little bit of a juxtaposition. Is it terrible? Is it horse shit? Or is it beautiful? Then he leans back and he says, I see the hawk floating overhead. And if you know anything about chicken hawks, you know that they're uh, a bird of prey that can... Uh, in times, swoop down and attack other animals, maybe looking for something that's decaying or dying. And after all that, there's the discovery. What does he discover as a speaker? That he's wasted his life. What does that mean? Maybe it means that by sitting down for a second and taking stock of all that's beautiful in the world and all the things that are continuing to move on, that this person feels like he hasn't taken advantage of the world around him that he hasn't focused as much time as he could on the beauty of nature, on the movement of animals, on the way in which we as humans live in the world. And because of that, he suddenly feels, as an older man, he's wasted something. Now, does James Wright want us all to walk out of here and go, oh man, life is terrible? I don't know. You could interpret it that way maybe, but another way to interpret it is that by coming to that discovery and showing us just how much beauty is out in the world, what do we then do? I don't know about you guys, but when I walk out of here in a couple minutes, I'm going to look outside and I'm going to see that tree differently. I'm going to see the bus that just drove by in a new light because James Wright has reminded me and called attention through imagery to a feeling that we don't want to go through life forgetting what we're doing here, and that is to live. Imagery, very specific language, leading us to a discovery.